Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church and School, Chicago. I hope and pray that the following message blesses you with peace and hope in Christ, who died and rose for you for free. It is yours. If you'd like to support God's mission of giving life, hope, peace, joy, and love in the city of Chicago, go to stjames-lutheran.org. Peace. You believe because you see. Blessed are those who do not see, but believe. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Grab a seat. Which state is the show me state? What's the show me state? Do we still use that language? Missouri. Missouri. No. Missouri, right? It's interesting because uh, no one knows exactly where that phrase came from. The show. Anybody from Missouri, by the way? Any? Okay. Oh my goodness! All right. Okay. Just be. be I'll be nice here. But uh, do you know why it's called the Show Me State? Are you skeptical people overall? Yeah. That's right. So there's one. There's one uh, myth. Or, no, it happened, but we're not sure if that's where this phrase came from. Uh, first of all, I think we like that. Show me. Right? You got to show me to believe it. I think is when we say that, that's what we think of. And I think that's fairly American. You got to show me to believe it. But apparently the first episode, the first account of this came from uh, a, uh, a, a U.S. Congressman, Willard Duncan Vandiver, who uh, was 1899. In a speech, he says, I come from a state that raises corn. You guys raise corn there still? You ra- corn raisers? Raises corn and cotton and cockleburrs and Democrats. And frothy eloquence neither convinces nor satisfies me. I'm from Missouri. You gotta show me. That's a good, I mean, that makes sense. That sound, sounds like stuff you hear in, uh, in Congress, right? That's pretty convincing. You gotta show me. Words don't matter. Show me. That's good political talk, I would say. I think we agree with them when it comes to words from our politicians. But there's another example that people think it also might have come from, why we think of Missouri as a show me state. Apparently, uh, around that same time, actually, uh, Colorado had uh, their mines, and they needed help in their mines. And there were uh, Southwest Missourians that were coming over to help out, who were used to another type of mining. And apparently, this was a common phrase uh, in the mines. The pit bosses, when, uh, when they're talking about Missourians trying to help mine, would say, that man's from Missouri. You'll have to show him. So I don't know if that's a positive as much, right? Like, can't listen to directions, you got to show them how to do it. I don't know. So I don't know why, that's, uh, why it's called that, but I think we like it. Seeing is believing. You got to show me. You can talk all you want, I need to see it. Today's gospel lesson, I think, fits well for that, doesn't it? Maybe that's Thomas. But it's interesting if you think about it. Our knee-jerk reaction is seeing is believing. I can see it. That's going to convince me. But it seems like we increasingly live in a world where that's not necessarily true. Like, we've documented everything. You can see anything you want now, right? Like, the Ukrainian president, his whole point is showing atrocities. That's what he's doing. Why? To convince people that there's terrible things happening. This is not just, you know, a little police action or, or that sort of deal. But more than ever, I might be wrong, we don't just believe images anymore. Because we've seen too many times people show us images and it gives us a slant 
that someone else can show us the same image from a different angle and you'll believe something totally different. Am I right? In fact, we're more skeptical than ever, and we're even skeptical about what we see. The pandemic brought that out. Same information, same facts, looking right at it, and you can have totally different beliefs of that thing. So is seeing really believing? I don't think it really is, actually. Both because our senses are broken, or we come in with a thing we want to see, or the person doing the showing has their own agenda and shows it in such a way to get it across. And I think this bears out in the conversations across this country of absolute distrust of information, even of visual evidence, etc. You can have people with totally different opinions of something. Seeing is not believing. Because our seeing is broken, and our showing's broken even, because our minds are broken. Look at today's gospel lesson, John chapter 20. Jesus has risen. He's, he's risen. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is a fact. Like, it happened, whether you believe it or not. By the way, just because it's difficult to convince someone that we all, and just because we don't all believe what we see, doesn't mean something never happened, and that everything is up for grabs as to reality. That's an irrational conclusion, I think, that we make. Because it's hard to communicate, because we don't agree on anything, therefore, you can make up anything you want and call it true. That doesn't make any sense either. Christ is risen, rose from the dead, Mary Magdalene was there. She didn't believe any of it. She came to find a dead Jesus because that's what you find in tombs. And in fact, even after Jesus, after, even after she sees, sees an empty tomb, she doesn't believe because it's ridiculous. She leaves and she sees Jesus, but she doesn't see him. Because it's ridiculous that the same person that was nailed, tortured, left for dead, buried, is walking around. Until what? She sees, but does not believe, until Jesus speaks and says, Mary, eyes opened, and she sees him. So Mary runs and tells the disciples, and what is their response? They don't believe, because it's ridiculous. They don't trust her words, right? I think John and Peter have a little race to the tomb afterwards, I suppose, to check it out, but they all thought the girls were nuts, and they said so to them. And I think you would too. Someone rising from the dead. And then this is what happens. Chapter 20. That same day, after they are told that Christ was risen, but did not believe, they are later on in a closed, locked room because they are scared, because they are still living in a reality where who knows what God thinks of me, and 
The dead stay dead. And therefore, Jesus lost is their reality. And the same people that killed him are going to kill us. That makes sense? And so right now, because they have not seen the risen Christ, they're living in fear. They're paralyzed in fear. They don't move. Doors are locked and they are hiding. Jesus is moving. Whether they're hiding or paralyzed or stiff or not, whether you believe or not, whether the whole world buys into Christianity or not, Christ is still risen and Christ is still moving and Christ is still doing. And so while they are stuck with no belief, scared and living in a reality where the dead don't rise and sins aren't forgiven, Jesus could care less or care a lot. And so he crashes the barrier comes to them, doesn't wait for them to come to him. That's what God does. That's why you are here too, because God came to you. We would never come to him, even if he was standing right in front of us. And he came to them, and look what John says. I love what Jesus does. uh, Jesus not only comes right through the locked doors, but he appears in their midst like right in the middle of them, right where they are at. Not afar, not like some god to be worshipped, but stands right with them, and he speaks before he does anything. What does he do? What's he say? We say it all the time in church, don't ever take this in vain. Peace be with you. Shalom, probably in the Aramaic, We say that a lot. I like to say peace. I like to end my emails. If you get an email from me, it usually says peace. You see it all the time. But his words mean something. Peace. He's not just being nice or hopeful, but he has removed your sins. You are not accountable to God for your past. It is finished. Peace, relationship between you and God. When Jesus says, peace be with you, that's what he's saying. And death is not the end. You're going to rise again. He's evidence of it. Peace. That gives you peace. And when he says this, he's showing his, his hands and his side, just in case it's another Jesus they're looking at. It's the same guy that was on the cross for them. And then John says this. Hearing peace be with you and seeing Jesus, the disciples beheld Jesus and they were overjoyed. His, their reality changed. Everything changed. Jesus actually is the answer. He's not just another prophet. He is the way. <laughs> not just in a, 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 a small sense, but literally through the grave. He is the answer, the answer to everything. Will this pandemic end? Jesus. Will I be okay? Jesus. Am I forgiven? Jesus. Is there a resurrection? Will I rise again? Is this all in vain? Jesus. And they were overjoyed. Everything changed for them. And their eyes were opened by the words of Jesus more than the visibility of him, although he was visible. 
but they needed him to intervene to open their eyes from the world. Because it's so crazy. It's crazy that you're forgiven. It's insane that you're going to rise again, that God loves you, that you need an intervention and not just seeing something. You have to have your eyes open to it. And so then Jesus says this fascinating thing. This is all, this is all Christianity 101 here, what happens here. So Jesus says, peace be with you. And then what does he do? He says, as the Father has sent me. Think about this. As Yahweh has sent me, the Son of God, the Savior of the universe, as the Father has sent me, in the same way I am sending you, with the same effect and the same power. He's sending these dorks. <laughs> if you read the Gospels, you know what I mean? In the same way he is sending them, and what are they going to do? Jesus' mind is on one thing that's going to give life, and it's going to give peace, and it's going to open eyes. What does he say? What does he tell them to do? He tells them to do. He, he, I shouldn't say this. He said, I'm sending you. And then he, and when he said this, he, I love, this is interesting to me, he breathes on them. Which I think, first of all, it brings us back to Genesis, and God breathed on man, right, and now has breath and is living, that sort of life sort of stuff. But also, I think it reminds me of, if you think about those that you love and those that you remember cradling you, like Elon gets to be cradled, the breath of his mom on him, life, warmth, not just dead words. This once dead friend of theirs is alive and they're not only seeing it and hearing, but he's breathing on them. Wouldn't you love to have your loved one who you miss breathe on you? Jesus is breathing on them, and it gives them life in so many different ways. And then he tells them to do this. You he says, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven simultaneously. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. He commissions them, equips them, commands them, breathes into them. So the words he's speaking, they are now filled with his breath to keep speaking his words of forgiveness. That's how the message is going to spread. That's how Dead people are going to rise again through the breath of Jesus, through your breath and mine. As we speak, we breathe into people life. When we say you are forgiven as they are broken down by their sins and we get to say you are forgiven in the name of Jesus, it actually happens. You need to believe this, by the way, because Jesus says so. Jesus is not up there. Only. He is speaking and breathing, walking and touching and hanging out through his living church. When you get hugged by a Christian, you're hugged by Jesus. When you get spoken to by a Christian about Jesus, you're being spoken to by Jesus. When a Christian says, you're going to rise again, it is Jesus saying, you're going to rise again. It's the same breath. It's the same words that opens eyes.
to a new reality. That's what the church is here to do, to breathe on people. And we do it better in a sense than Jesus because there's many of us, you see. So, first lesson, practice session. One of the guys wasn't there, Thomas. Well, let's practice this, breathing on people and speaking Jesus' words and see if it works. So Thomas, John says, one of the 12 called the twin, which is a lot of theories why John wants us to know that he was also called the twin. There's a couple of them. I kind of like this. Who's Thomas's twin? Who does he sound a lot like? Maybe he's your twin. Maybe he's the twin of human beings. See? Thomas, the twin called, the twin was not with them when Jesus came, so the other disciples told them, we've seen, we beheld the Lord, right? But what does he say? They're doing what Jesus told them to do? What? It doesn't work. (laughs) Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my fingers into the mark of the nails and place my hands inside, I'll never believe. Isn't that great? Doesn't work the first time, right? They breathe on him, they speak the truth to him, but he needs to see it for himself. And he's called forever what? Doubting Thomas. Must be from Missouri. Does Jesus say, forget it? That guy is out. No. He goes after Thomas. And he sends us to go after those that we think are maybe the worst doubters in the world. The Lord does not give up. And so what does Jesus do? Eight days later, the disciples were inside again, which I think is interesting. And Thomas is with them, although the doors were locked. And I'm wondering what? Think about this. What happened to those disciples that saw the risen Jesus? The reality was changed. Jesus is Lord. Nothing can stop them. A week later, where are they? Doors are locked. Again, eight days later in John's time, because he includes numbers, he includes days in his numbers, is a week. So the first day that he visits is a Sunday. What day is this? A Sunday. And Jesus comes to them, and what does he do? Stands in their midst again and says, what? Peace be with you. And he, I did this last sermon too, last sermon too. Every Sunday, Jesus comes to us, good Christians, but our doors are locked again because we're scared and we're afraid and we don't quite believe this new reality, and he says, peace be with you. That's why we gather Sunday, the resurrection of our Lord, and that's why we're going to keep on saying the same thing. The last thing you're going to hear here is peace be with you. Because we are Thomas's twins, and we can see it, and we can believe it, and have good days as a Christian, but we can have bad, and our doors can back being locked where we don't think we're forgiven, and we don't think we're going to rise again, and we don't think things are going to get better, and Jesus comes to us, although we open our doors here, and he speaks through you to one another when you come to church, and through me, peace be with you. And he looks at Thomas. He says, look at my hands, look at my side, look at all these things. And then he says something. Stop disbelieving belief. And then, by the power of his words, Thomas says, 
my Lord and my God. The words of Jesus open eyes and hearts and create new realities that give you hope and give you peace to deal with the challenges of this world. And it's okay to doubt because he's not going to stop telling you these things. He's not going to stop visiting you, not just on Sundays, but every day. And then Jesus looks at him and says, you believe because you have seen me. And then he says this, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. When Jesus says peace and when he says blessed, he's not like us. Our words, when we say good luck or something, he's not saying good luck. He's blessing by the power of the divine God, blessing your ears and mind that through people's testimony and words, people will come to see and behold Jesus alive. And that's why you're here through someone else's words and by Christ's blessing of those words that you believe, that you live in a different world than others do, where God loves you, where you're forgiven, where you're going to rise again. May God continue to break into our rooms and keep on saying exactly that to us. And may we be sent by him to say that to those that we know that need to hear it right now too. In Jesus' name, amen. He is risen. He is risen Hallelujah.